0: Welcome to the Remnant Christian Center's podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message. I was like, look, whenever you stand behind this sacred podium and God has entrusted you to bring the word, that is an awesome responsibility and is one to be revered, okay? Okay. And so, um, Father, I ask that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable unto you, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So I don't know how many of you have been here the past couple of weeks, but we've had some awesome messages. We had a very encouraging message on Mother's Day from our uh, director of our women's ministry, Darlene where she really encouraged people to move beyond victimization into service. And then we had an awesome outpouring of the Spirit and a message on the Holy Spirit and about sending and releasing. And I, I wasn't in here, but I, I kind of saw the remnants of the altar just being kind of filled over here. So, my message today is going to be a call to action, okay? How many of you, by the raising of your hands, are a follower of Christ? How many of you want to be used by God? How many of you are ready to serve? All right. So that means wherever you are, whatever local church you're a part of, you should not be a pew sitter. Okay? I'm just saying it. All right? But it's more than just serving in the local house. Okay? So with that said, today's message will be an invitation to some, a challenge to some, an encouragement to others. We will look at two individuals, a woman and a man, who were used powerfully by the Lord. Today's message is entitled, Are You Ready to Serve?, Being a witness is a way of life. When we daily walk around people, we shouldn't have to have trinkets hanging on us. We should not have to have uh, um, um, T-shirts and jackets and all that. All that's okay. But we shouldn't have to have that for people to know that we are followers of Christ. In the book of Acts it says and you shall be witnesses. Not that you are going to go witness but you should be witnesses. So wherever you are you should be a witness, okay? Now serving on the underhand brings intentionality to doing something that will benefit others. Okay? When we serve and sometimes we use the word ministry, but if you look up the word ministry, it means to serve, all right? And a lot of us, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but a lot of us say, God, I want the gifts of the Spirit. He says, well, when you're ready to serve, I'll give them to you. But all, if all you're going to do is sit on it, I'm not giving it to you. So I'm just saying, I will show you that God is able to use us in service regardless of how we grew up or what circumstances we find ourselves in. To do this, we're going to take a look at an Old Testament book called Esther. Okay? The setting takes place in Susa also called Shushan, usually referred to as the citadel of Susa. It was the capital of the Persian Empire and the location of the royal palace, belonging to the Persian kings, most notably King Artaxerxes. So why is this important? Because over the years, I've run into many confessing followers of Christ who are worried about their situation or their, living, their work situation or their living situation as a victim and not an overcomer. The Word of God says we are not to worry. Do you know worrying is a sin? But I've run across people and they go, well, you know, I can't do nothing because of where I work. Mm -hmm. All right, we're going to talk about that. I'm going to show you that you can, all right? So when you look at this setting, understand that this setting takes place not in a righteous nation, not under a righteous rulership, but in a unrighteous nation under unrighteous rulership, all right? The people that were there had been displaced when Babylon came in and overrun Israel. So they had been displaced, and now the Medes and the Persians had come in and displaced the Babylonian, and now they were the rulers, okay? So you got to understand, they were not in their home environment, all right? So some of y'all, God has placed y'all in different places. Some of y'all have to move to other places. And God, you, you, and you're wondering why, and you feel stagnant, and you feel stuck because of where you are. Some churches that people are in, they say, I can't do nothing in this church. Hmm? Hmm? All right, if you say so. But I'm going to show you through the word. That all things are possible through Christ Jesus, all right? So let's go to the first slide there. Um, It says, adverse beginnings do not disqualify you from serving, all right? Now, before I speak into that, I want to speak into the text that I want you to remember, all right? And that is in Esther chapter 3 verses 8 through 14. Now, I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. I'm going to read it a lot. It says, and this is out of the New Living uh, Translation. It says, then Haman, okay, it says, then Haman, no, that's, that's not, yeah, that's, that's it. Then Haman appro- approached the king out of his ursus, and said, There's a certain race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. All right? Keep going. It says... If it pleases the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed, and I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to deposit in the royal treasury. The king agreed, confirming his decision by removing his signet ring from his finger and giving it to Haman, son of Amadatha, the Agite, the enemy of the Jews. The king said, the money and the people are both yours to do with as you see fit. So on April 17th, the king's secretaries were summoned, and a decree was written exactly as Haman dictated. It was sent to the king's highest officials, the governors of the respective provinces, and the nobles of each province in their own scripts and languages. The decree was written in the name of King Artaxerxes and sealed with a signet ring. Dispatches were sent by swift messengers Into all the above, uh, all the provinces of the empire, giving the order that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March the 7th uh, of the next year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. A copy of the decree was to be issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all people so that they would be ready to do their duty on the appointed day. Okay. So we see this is the setup. He wants to annihilate the Jews. He wants to get rid of them. And this is found out by a man named Mordecai who worked in the palace, okay? And I'm, I'm just going to read you something here. Uh, and it says here that all the king's servants and the, all the people of the provinces knew that for any man and any woman who comes to the king in the inner court who is not summoned, he has only one, one law, one law, that he or she be put to death, unless the king holds out his golden scepter, so that they may live. And I have not summons to. Um, I have not been summoned to the king. This is a, this is a Esther speaking to Mordecai, and I'm, I'm going to tell you who they are and what's going on here, but I want to lay the foundation of. What's happening right here? Um, And so she says this to Mordecai. Then Mordecai told them uh, to reply to Esther. Do not imagine that the king, that you and the king's palace can escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, liberation and rescue will arise for the Jews from another place. And you and your father's house will perish. And no, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this? And so I want you to remember that that you have attained royalty for such a time as this. He warns us if you keep silent. Okay. So there was a call to action that Mordecai was putting before Esther. And so that first point, now you can put that first point back up there. All right? Adverse beginnings do not disqualify you from serving. All right? You got to understand that. Okay. And in, verse, in chapter 2, verses 5 through 7, and I'm reading this because I want you to have the context. I want you to do like the Bereans. I want you to go back and check me out, okay? And at verse, uh, verse 5 says, at that time, there was a Jewish man in the fortress of Susa whose name was Mordecai, son of Jair. He was of the tribe of Benjamin and a descendant of Kish and Shimei. His family had been among those who the king, who the king uh, Jehoahim of Judah had been exiled from Jerusalem to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? Remember I told you, they are not in their homeland. They are displaced somewhere else. This man had a very beautiful and lovely young cousin, Hadassah, who was also called Esther, when her father and mother died, Mordecai adopted her into his family and raised her as his own daughter. Okay. So my first point when I say this, that your beginnings does not disqualify you from serving. You see, she was left orphaned at an early age. She suffered abandonment because her parents died. Okay and she suffered that she had lost her support. So she could have grown up living as a victim the rest of her life. But her, fault, her, her adversity, she did not allow to derail her, but instead it propelled her. Okay? So adversity can either derail you or propel you. Romans chapter 8 says this, all things work together for the good of those who love him according to his purpose, all right? So all of you who have had adverse beginnings or have suffered things, it does not disqualify you. God says you cannot use that as an excuse not to serve. Because you've been through something, we all have been through something, and maybe your something was greater than my something, but that something is used by God to propel you, not to derail you. It's used to build you, not to destroy you. God says all things work together. He didn't say all things that are good work together. He didn't say all things work together that are good. He said all things work together. The good and the bad will work in your behalf. And for those of you who see people around you that are hurting, that are needy, do what Mordecai did. He saw this young lady, who this young girl who had lost both of her parents. And he said, let me step in. You're not my natural seed, but you are a seed. And I'm going to provide a place for you to grow up so that you can show up when the time is needed. Okay? I'm speaking to some of you empty nesters. They may think that your time is done. Look around you. And maybe you see that snotty-nosed little kid that's got a mouth like a sailor. And you saying, oh, my God, I wish this kid would shut up. I wish this kid would go somewhere. And maybe God is saying, I wish you would show up in their life to help them grow up. Okay? So what I'm saying to us We can look around and complain, or we can get involved and make a difference. You know, I'm so grateful to several families within our community that have chosen to extend beyond their own. They have adopted kids. They have fostered kids. They have done things and reached out. Okay? That's the body of Christ. That's our responsibility, and we've given it to the government. And now we wonder why things are screwed up. We are the ones that's supposed to show them the way, the truth, and the light. But we say, oh, you know, I'm just going to stay here in my comfort zone. So, Mordecai did not use the fact that, oh, my God, now i got to add another child. He said, you know what, I'm going to step in here, and I'm going to take care of this young lady, and I'm going to help her to grow up. You see, this is what the body of Christ should be about. Look around your neighborhood. I'm not telling you got to take in every kid. But I know growing up, my house was a gathering place. My mom and dad, our house was a gathering place. We, there were kids from all over at our house, sitting on the porch. Sometimes we were not even at home. They were still sitting on the porch. Why? Because they embraced him. Because they knew that these kids needed an example. And rather than shut our doors, we opened our doors so that they could have a place to come to. So I will say to you, maybe you've gone through something, and maybe that something was very hurtful, very, very devastating. Don't let it derail you. Find the help that you need to be an overcomer. Find the help that you need to get some healing. Because I guarantee you, if you do... God will use it for his kingdom purposes. And he will work it for good. He will work it for good. Point number two. Preparation always precedes service. So take it seriously. In Esther chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, it says, Haggai... And I don't know if you want to put those verses up or not, but I'm gonna read here because I can see here better than I can see up there. All right. It says Haggai was very impressed with Esther and treated her kindly. He were quickly, he quickly ordered a special menu for her and provided her with beauty treatments. He also assigned her seven maids, specially chosen from the king's palace. And he moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Hester had not told anyone of her nationality and family background because Mordecai had directed her not to do so. Every day, Mordecai would walk would take a walk near the courtyard of the harem to find out about Esther and what was happening to her. See, After she had left the nest, he was still concerned about her. He was still looking out for her, okay? So just because your children are grown and gone don't mean they don't need you, all right? I just thought that I'd throw that in. They still need you, all right? <laughs> before each young woman was taken to the king's bed, she was given the prescribed 12 months of beauty treatment, six months of the oil of myrrh, followed by six months of special perfume and ointments. All right? This is preparation. They said before you can even go see the king, you got to be prepared. So we're going to give you six months of the oil of myrrh, and six months of perfume and preparation, you might, you might have been you might have looked nice when you came in, but you're going to be gorgeous when you leave, go to see the king. all right? You're going to be gorgeous when you go to see the king. Now, understand this because a lot of us will run out unprepared to do the work of the Lord, and then we get beat up and then we say, "The Lord is not with me." No, you you ran before him. okay? You went out before you were prepared to be sent out, okay? And so there's a time of preparation that precedes service, all right? And take it seriously. That time of preparation is a time for you to build character and to perfect your skills, talents, and giftings. I know a young man that long before he ever stood behind a pulpit, he would stay at home and preach to himself. He'd get in front of that mirror and go, and the Lord said. You see, he was preparing. He was was perfecting his gift. He knew that the gift of God was in him to preach, but what he did was took the time to take care of that. Some of you musicians, you need to take the time to perfect your skills. Some of you singers need to take the time to perfect your skills, get some training for raining. You just want to get up there and start singing, all right? But you got to be prepared. You got to be prepared. If you want to go out into the missionary fields, get prepared. If you want to start a business, get prepared. Whatever you're going to do for the Lord, take that time of preparation and be prepared. Hone those skills, hone those talents and abilities so that when you go out, you know what to do with them and you know how to use it. Yeah. Nothing worse than somebody going out and they ain't got their sword or they don't know how to use it. But they go go out and they go witness to somebody that's Islamic or, or somebody that's a Buddhist. And the first time they come back at him, they like, well, hold on a minute. Be ready. Be ready. Those of us who were in the military, we had to go through what they call basic training. For months, for weeks and months in some cases, we didn't fight nobody. We didn't go on nobody's battlefield. Why? Because we didn't know what to do. And we didn't know how to do it. So we took some time to prepare ourselves. And the deeper that you were going in, the more preparation you had. If you were going into special forces, you went beyond that in training and preparation. So you want to take that time seriously, okay? Esther took that time seriously. And, 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 and then when I was doing my research, I know it mentions 12 months, but they said it was about four years from the time that uh, Vashti was banished to the time that Esther was crowned as queen. See, it didn't happen in a moment. See, it's okay when you get saved to share your testimony. But don't try to be the leader of a group, and you just got saved. You will get destroyed. All right? And some of y'all, you're waiting, and you're saying, I I don't have opportunities. You're training. You're in training. You're getting training. Sometimes that opportunity means scrub the floors. I I remember my brother Harvest here. He had been through Bible college, and he tells me this story. It's okay if I say it. I, 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 he, and he says, when I got there to the church, I'm like, I, I'm going to show you my credentials. I've been through the Bible college, and so I'm ready to serve. And the guy said, Okay, go scrub the bathroom. Right. And I would said, He looked at him I'm like, What'd you say? <laughs> I got a degree. <laughs> when I went into the engineering field, I walked up in there I said, I got a degree. They said, now we know that we can train you. That's all that degree says, that you are able to learn. So you have to learn how to do things. And anytime time God moves you from one place to another place, don't go in trying to be the boss. All right? Every time God has moved me from one church to another church, I sit down. I don't care how many years I've been in ministry. I'm sitting down because I want to understand the culture. I want to understand who knows and who don't know because some of the biggest mouths sometimes don't know nothing. But they want to tell you everything. But I want to know the right thing so I can operate effectively in that ministry. That wasn't even in my notes. Thank you, Holy Spirit. you got to understand, when I read that text, there's something, there was something inwardly about Esther. You see? Because it, it, it says that this, this unique Haggai, he says that he was impressed with her. Now, let me tell you, there was a whole lot of good-looking women. Because they, they didn't, they, they I'm going to just say this. When they went out to, to catch the women, they, no, no, not you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you. And you. No, 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 no. You, you can continue your work. Yeah, you. They were looking for the nice looking ones to bring there to the king. You got to understand now, this, there wasn't no righteous king. But there was something about her inwardly, I believe, that impressed him. All right? Ladies, you're looking for a husband. Don't show him everything you got outside. Show him what you got inside. All right? I just thought I'd throw that in for station identification. All right? I'm trying to help y'all this morning. All right? Trying to help you. All right. So her beauty was not just outward, but what's inward. And this speaks to how Mordecai raised her. Parents, raise your children up in the ammunition of the Lord. All right? Now what that means is... Don't send them to church and then wonder why they're living like the devil if you living like the devil. You want to reinforce force at home what they're learning at church. We get them for an hour. You get them for all week. And kids will embrace what they see more over what they hear. Okay? So you can tell them to do the right thing, but don't do the wrong thing because they're going to mimic what they see more than what they hear, all right? Let your language also be consistent with your actions, all right? This is what Mordecai did. He evidently raised her up the right way. All these things are a- 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 evident if you look in it. Remember, how do we prepare ourselves for the Lord, okay? Okay? The, th- the pattern that you see over and over in Scripture is, one, the knowledge of the Word. Learn the Word. The Word is God's instruction. The Word is what he's speaking to us. The Word is what he wants us to know about who we are and who he is and how he wants us to operate. So if you don't know the Word, and don't rely on just preachers and teachers, go into the Word yourself. Read the Word. You have the Holy Spirit in you, the same Holy Spirit that's in preachers and teachers. You have the same Holy Spirit in them. Let him teach you the word. All right? So know the word. Study the word. Study to show yourself approved unto God. Study, 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 study. Eat the word. Read the word. Meditate on the word. All right? Don't just pick it up and say, I read through the Bible. I'm so tired of talking to people that talk about it. I know the word i said, if you know the word, you wouldn't be living like the devil. You might have read the word, but you don't know the word. When you know the word, it changes you, okay? The second thing is you need to have intimacy with him. And you gain intimacy by praying fasting, meditating, and singing songs unto the Lord. Take some time out of your day every day. That's food for you. You want to know how to get close to the Lord? You want to know how to have more power? You want to know how to make your light shine brighter? Do those things. And when I say pray, that's a two-way thing. Prayer is not you telling him everything. And then you getting up and saying, okay, I see you. And God's saying like, yo, I have something I wanted to say to you. But you are gone already. And we wonder why we can't hear from the Lord. Take some time to listen to him. Take some time for fasting. Deny yourself. That food's going to be there when you're done. Believe me. I been—I was on a fast. And you know how when you're on a fast, everybody want to give you something that you don't need? So I got smart this time. I got smart this time. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to put this in a little bag in the refrigerator. And I'm going to wait my fast is over. Amen. Fasting means you're separating yourself from your regular routine, whatever it is, and giving yourself to the Lord. Okay? Meditate. That means sitting, thinking on the word, asking God, what are you speaking to me? Anytime you're reading scripture and it starts to jump off the page, that means that you need to stop and meditate on it. And be involved in relationships that draw you to the Lord, not away from the Lord. All right? That's how you get When you're in those relationships. Number three, and I got to move a little quicker. I'm going to pick up my pace a little bit. It says, faithfulness, uh, faithfulness, loyalty, and humility are qualities of success in God. Okay, faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. And I'm not going to read the scripture for the sake of time, but you need to be faithful. Mordecai in Esther chapter two, verses uh, 21 through 23, I'm I'm not going to go there and read it. But Mordecai worked in the palace and he caught wind of some people that were plotting to kill the king. Now, remember, the king ain't his buddy, okay? But Mordecai was being faithful to the king and being loyal to the king. So he told Esther, and Esther told the king, and they avoided the murder of the king, okay? Remember that. Just because you work somewhere and the boss ain't your favorite person don't mean you can't be loyal or or, or faithful to him. See? See? You need to be faithful and loyal regardless of whether the boss is doing his job. Because when we work, we work as unto the Lord, not as unto man. Okay? So I want you to think about that. These three qualities are always part of it. Faithfulness, loyalty, and humility. If you do those three things in the workplace, I guarantee you God will reward you. Okay? When you are serving, always be faithful. Okay? That is part of the Marine Corps motto, Semper Fidelis, be always faithful. Faithfulness, God is saying he's looking for those who are faithful, okay? Remember what it says in Luke chapter 16. If you could put that up for me, Luke chapter 16, verse number 10. It says, if you are not faithful in the little things, you, are not, you, will be, you will be faithful in the large things. If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large things. But you, if you are, not, are dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest in the greater responsibilities. Okay? Be faithful in the little things. Okay? If your responsibility at work or at church is to pick up the paper or to serve outside, or to serve in the, in the children's ministry, be faithful. I spent three years in children's ministry after I had been preaching for like six years. And you know what I learned? I said, boy, I learned some good lessons about how to deal with adults from these children. Because they just like children. they just in bigger bodies. <laughs> You can learn something. Be faithful where you are and what you're doing, okay? Be faithful in the workplace. Be faithful in your neighborhood. Be faithful in your home, children. If you're living at home, be faithful, okay? I remember I went to my parents and I said, hey, I want an allowance. They said, we allow you to live here. That's your allowance. <laughs> and eat our food and be under our roof. And wear the clothes that we buy you. That's your allowance. I was like, okay. Thank you very much. Be faithful. Be loyal. Work us unto the Lord. Don't look at everybody else around you, and if they're cutting out 10 minutes early, you cut out 10 minutes early. Okay? And if you're at work and they're paying you to work, then work. Some people are at work and they, well, I, I, I'm working for the Lord. Not if you're talking about everything else. Not if you're preaching the gospel when you're both supposed to be punching the numbers. Let your light shine. So I'm trying to tell you, this is what happened. Mordecai was faithful. Esther was faithful, and God rewarded them. Don't always look for the lofty positions. Mordecai's position was not a lofty position. Point number four, real quick. Your position or your status does not determine the level of influence or impact. I remember hearing a story about a young man who was a cashier, and the, man, the young man had a disability, and he was a cashier. And one day the manager walked out, and they looked, and they said, well, we got four cash registers open. Why everybody lined up over here? And he was just a bad boy. And it was because of the way he worked. People say, I would rather wait in the line. To hear what he has to say to me, to see how he treats me, than to go to a na- another cashier and be out speedily. You see, understand something. You can have great impact. You don't always have to be the boss. People are like, I can't get nothing accomplished because my boss ain't let me do nothing. Last time I heard, greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. You can still accomplish things. The only person that can stop you from doing what the Lord wants you to do is you. So quit blaming your boss for opportunities. Quit blaming people in your neighborhood. I can't get nothing done in this neighborhood because of my HOA. I can't get nothing done in this neighborhood because of my neighbor. Ask the Lord how he wants you to deal with your neighbor. Ask the Lord how he wants you to deal with the HOA. Ask the Lord how what he wants you to do. Okay? We always are looking at the circumstances and saying, I'm being hindered. And we see this in Esther chapter 3, verse number 5. I'm going to just read this. It says, when Haman saw that Mordecai did not bow down and show him respect, he was filled with rage. He, learned, he had learned that Morde, of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire. You see what happened? But at the same time, what happened is, because of Mordecai's actions before The king was woken up one night, and he went through the books of the recordings, and he found out that Mordecai was the one that helped fort his assassination attempt. And so with that, he says, we need to honor this man. Has he ever been honored? No, he hasn't been honored. So guess who he chose to honor Mordecai? The very man that wanted to kill Mordecai. Sometimes that person at your job that you say, oh, that person getting on my last nerve, that person is always trying to tear me down. And that may be the very person that God uses to bring you up. Okay? But you got to get your instructions from the Lord. Okay? So we got to understand that his actions, Mordecai's actions, both influence Haman and influence the king. you don't have to be in charge to be impactful. Trust me. I know what I'm talking about. When I was in the workplace, my boss came to me. He says, you know what? Ever since you became a manager, my language has changed. I never told him to change his language. I just acted a certain way, the way that the Lord was leading me. And because of that, it influenced him, okay? You can have impact and influence without being in charge, okay? Point number five, serving the Lord always comes with risk, all right? It's a risky business. It is. And I want to take a moment here. Because I want to read to you out of Esther chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. It says, on the third day of the fast, Esther put on her royal robes and entered the inner court of the palace just across from the king's hall. The king was sitting on the throne facing the entrance when he saw Queen Esther standing in the inner court. He welcomed her and held out the golden scepter. So Esther approached and touched the end of the scepter. Remember, there was a law against entering the court unless the king summoned you. I want you to watch this video. Now, it may not have looked exactly like this, but I want to show you this so that you get a picture of the risk that Esther was taking. summon she comes before the king. She does. Is protocol not broken? Yes, protocol has been broken. down ah! How much are you willing to risk in service to the Lord? She was ready to risk her life. She said, if I perish, I perish. It's a risky business. I think oftentimes we don't serve the Lord because of what it may cost us. I know that's happened to me walking through a store and the Lord shows me somebody and says, I want you to speak to them. What do you want me to say? I want you to speak to them. What do you want me to say? I want you to speak to them. I'm not going to speak to them because I don't know how they're going to react to me. See, sometimes we're not willing to do the things that the Lord tells us to do because of what it may cost us. Yes, it may cost you rejection. But understand, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting him, the Christ in you. It may cost you embarrassment. Jesus was embarrassed. It may cost you shame. It may cost you friendships. It may cost you position. It may cost you status. She was willing to risk her position and her status to honor the Lord. Sometimes, young people, older people. They're not willing to live for Jesus. They're not willing to say the right thing at the right time because they don't want their friends. They don't want to lose their friendships. They don't want to lose their status or their position. I think that's part of the issue that we have in government. They're so busy trying to be elected again that they're not serving Instead of serving the people, they're serving themselves. The question becomes, who are you serving? Are you going to serve the Lord? Are you willing to take the risk to step into the places that God has called you to do? To do the things that God has asked you to do? No matter how old you are, no matter how young you are, no matter what your position, are you willing? Here she is king, a queen. She's the queen of the nation. And there was a law that says unless you are summoned by the king, you will die. Understand this. My point's number six. Is that the favor of God always trumps the, plan- the enemy's plans and protocol. Always. The favor of God, always. Come here, Paul. They put Paul in jail thinking, aha, we finally shut his mouth. What did he do? He started witnessing to all the king's court and all all of the army of the king. He's making them disciples. You see, God's favor is not about your comfort. Sometimes the favor of God shows up even though the comfort is not not there. God says that my favor will always trump the plans of the enemy. When they put Jesus Christ on the cross, Satan thought he had won. And Jesus said, aha, this is exactly what the Lord wanted me to do. What is he asking you to do? Why are you afraid? God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above what you could ask or think. Why are you afraid? Do you trust him? Is he the omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent one? This is the question. Don't stop serving because there's risk involved. You've got to understand that. And I hear people going around saying this all the time, and I'm wrapping up. I hear people say this all the time. I am more than a conqueror. We'll prove it. Action speaks louder than words. Paul says, be not a hearer only, but be a doer of the word." I mean, that's, that was James. James said that. James said, be not only a hearer, but a doer of the word. I hear people sometimes say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. But you're a closet Christian. Come out of the closet. Everybody else is, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Why are we still hiding in the closet? <laughs> now, you, you got to be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove you got to have some wisdom about it. you got to be tactical about it. Remember, she picked the perfect time to reveal who she was, and I'm going to get to that in just a moment. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Is that true in your life? Do you really believe what you said? Then go do it. This is a call to service in your community. It's a call to service in your home. It's a call to service in your local church. His plans always trumps. And I'm going to go through this real quick. But Haman had a plan to kill Mordecai. And that plan got reversed. And instead of Mordecai being impaled, the very thing that Haman had set up for Mordecai, Haman got impaled on it. You see, he had a plan to destroy. Satan was using Haman to try to destroy the Jewish people. And the plot that he had was overthrown because Esther had the favor of the king. And God gave her a strategy, and that's my last point. God's strategies always accomplish their intended goal. Always. God's strategies always accomplish their intended goal. So God had a strategy. He said, okay, I got a strategy. Haman, you got this decree sign, and I can't change that. But I'm giving Esther a strategy. And Esther's strategy after she had got the favor of the king, she said, she didn't just come out and say, she said, come on, I want y'all to come to a party. I want to honor y'all. And you too, Haman. Come on. Uh Haman was like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm sitting with the big dogs. He went to the party. She didn't say something that first time. She let them enjoy themselves. And she says, if I have found favor with you, king, see, favor. King said, yeah. He said, I want you to come to another party next to the ne- next day. And she said, oh, by the way, Haman, you're invited. And Haman went home and said, I'm invited to the party with the king. Just me and the king going to a party. We're going to be honored. And lo and behold, he did not know that he was walking into a trap that the Lord had set for him because In that place, the king's favor came upon Esther. And he said, whatever you ask, up to half of the kingdom, I'll give it to you. And now it's time to reveal who she was. You see, the strategies of God always work. That's why you need to go before him. Don't just run out and do it on your own. Always consult the Lord. David always consulted the Lord. Joshua consulted the Lord. You need to consult the Lord. Jesus consulted the Lord. Always consult the Lord because when they did that, what happened was, (coughs) excuse me, he gave them that strategy. (coughs) And that strategy worked. Thank you. That strategy worked so now Esther reveals who she is and she tells the king this dude beside you second in command he's the one who wants to annihilate all of me and all of my people so king said I'm not having that I'm paraphrasing I'm not having that the so king walks out and Haman says oh my god I'm in, a, I'm in a mess I'm in a mix right now I need to go before her <clears throat> I need to beg and plead lo and behold while he's falling on down before King comes back in the him, look, look now you look at this dude you gonna mess with my woman right in front of my face hey get rid of this dude now y'all, y'all, y'all can tell I'm a little ghetto <clears throat> I've been in the hood, yeah. So he impels him, but he can't change the law. So Mordecai gets together. He said, I got a strategy. I'm going to write a new law. Because now God, the favor of God had come upon Mordecai, and Mordecai gets pushed up into the second in command. So Mordecai writes a new law and tells all the Jews that now you can protect yourself. I'm giving you the arms to fight against them. And y'all know the end of the story. Any of y'all that's read the books, the Jews prevailed. And they started what they call the Feast of Purim in honor of that. So what I'm trying to tell you, what am I saying to you? That God's plans always work. His strategies always work word of the Lord says his word will never return unto him void but it will always accomplish his purposes so if you're going out and God is sending you out if you're under the instruction of the Holy Spirit you can be guaranteed that you will accomplish your mission okay so what now I'm saying to you you have all the reasons to serve I've taken every excuse away from you. You're not disqualified because you've been victimized at an early age. Because all things work together. God's favor always trumps the enemy's plans. Maybe you're somewhere where you know the plan of the enemy is to get you out of there. Then go before the Lord and get his strategy, Okay. So now, what happens is everything gets turned around. The Jews prevail. Mordecai gets into second in command, and all is well. Guys, ladies, men, gentlemen, we are God's people. And God has a purpose and a plan for each one of you. And He has called you to serve, not to sit. He has called you to duty and not to sit around. God says, whatever I've called you to do, I've commissioned you to do and now I've equipped you to do. So do it. Go do it. So, perhaps today's message has stirred you in some sort of way. And you guys can take this Perhaps in some way, you've been stirred. And maybe you are one that's sitting there, and you're saying to yourself, I know God has called me to do something. And I know I've been sitting on it. But something that was said today has encouraged me to move forward. If that's you today I want you to raise your hand I'm not going to call you forward I see your hand If that's you Don't let anything stop you from doing What God told you There is a time of preparation Go through the preparation process But keep doing what you're supposed to be doing Well, maybe you're sitting there today and you're saying, you know what? Something disturbed me today, but I don't even have a relationship with the Lord. That's where it all starts. It all starts with first having a relationship with him. Because God says, look, I'm behind my children. I'm behind those who belong to me. So maybe the day is the day that you start your relationship with Him. I mean, a true relationship with Him. And let me tell you this to you. A relationship with the Lord is not just going to church, it is the rebirth, it is the renewing of your heart. It is the Spirit of God coming into your life and living in you again that's you today maybe you want to rededicate your life or maybe you want to give your life or maybe you just need some encouragement that's what we're here for today If any of those things apply to you, I want you to just take a step forward. Any of those things apply to you, I just want you to take a step forward. It starts with admitting. It starts with revealing. So let's all stand to our feet today. Like I said, if you're here, if you're watching by TV or watching by internet, and maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm tired of sitting on the sideline. It's time for me to move into the service of the Lord. One of the greatest places to do that is in the local church. But also at your place of employment, your business and lastly in your home and in your community God is calling you today for service he is calling you into action today God is saying to you I'm looking for a few good men and a few good women regardless of your age young or old God is calling you to witness in your school I know school is out for the summer but God is calling each and every one of us Let me say this to you And I'm I'm done When you woke up this morning You woke up because God says I have a purpose for your life If you wake up tomorrow morning God says I got a purpose for your life Paul says to run your race until the end. You see, when God is done with your purpose on earth, He's going to call you home to be with Him. But as long as there's breath in my body, every morning I get up, I say, God, what do you want me to do? How do you want to use me? So I want to encourage you today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today, And you say, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, but I want one with him. Raise your hand. Lift your hand up. If you're here today, you say, I don't have a relationship with him, but I want one. I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to call you forward. I just want you to lift your hand. So I'm going to pray this prayer over you today. And those of you who say, I'm tired of sitting on the sideline, I'm ready to get in the race. I want to pray this prayer over you today. Father, today, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, O Lord God, that you have called us. You've equipped us. And you have commissioned us. And now you're ready to send us out. Father, I'm asking today, Lord God, that you will work in every heart and every mind under the sound of my voice, Lord God, and that you will prompt them, that you will convict them, Lord God, that it's not too late, that it's not too late, that they are not disqualified, that you still have a place for them, you still have a need of them, There's still work to do. Father, I pray, oh Lord God, that you, oh Lord God, would encourage them, Lord God, to not be afraid, but to step out because you got their back, because your favor is with them. Father, I'm asking, oh Lord God, that you would... Stir up the gifts in each and every one of us, Lord. God. I'm asking, oh God, that you would set a blaze, a fire in us, Lord God, to do your will and to do it your way. Lord, I'm asking that you would bless each and every one under the sound of my voice, and you will be with them throughout the remainder of this day and this weekend. That you would go with them, Lord God. That you would walk with them and talk with them. And lead them, Lord God, in the way that you go. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You're dismissed. Amen. amen. Is that brother Sal back there. Thank you for tuning in. For more information about us, please visit RemnantChristianCenter.com.